like I said, we've been talking for the past couple of weeks about the shift. I mean, and Pastor kind of started us off talking about three major shifts. He took, defined the shift, talking about a, a change and a move. And then he talked about three major steps that we needed to take was a shift in our mind, a shift in our worship, and a shift in our service. And then, and then Pastor Alverna just came in and she talked about a shift in our faith. And she talked about um, she talked about the judge and, and and the woman who came back to the judge and said, "I would not let go until you bring me justice." And and it was that faith that she would believe that that it was going to happen no matter what. She wasn't going to let go. And so we have a shift in our faith. So I want to talk to you about one more shift today. <laughs> who knows if there'll be another shift next week? But I'll just give you one more shift. <laughs> today and um and what i'm going to talk to you about is a shift in your experience a shift in your experience and um just kind of as a little 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 joke when i decided to tell my wife i said i said um baby we have an opportunity to speak again she said this jokingly mind you she said this listen you are not going to talk about us on the mic. <laughs> Leave us alone. <laughs> and I just smiled at her and said, baby, I will do, I will, I will run around the world. I will do what I can for you. But this one thing I cannot do. <laughs> so I'm going to say something about us. <laughs> want to tell you a little story about us. <laughs> My experience. <laughs> As you know, we've just been recently married. Um, and we, we, prior to us getting married, I, know I was at a place in my life where I did not know I did not believe. That's right. Preach it, Sage. Preach it. I did not believe. <laughs> <laughs> that I was going to get married. I did not believe anything like that was going to happen. Um, but God began to change my heart and just began to deal with my heart, began to deal with my wife's heart. I remember back in January, January of that, that year before we, we, started to, um, we started to court each other, someone had told me, you know, your wife is on the way and she's closer than you think. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> Yeah, okay, I've heard that one before. Lo and behold, <laughs> i got to go humble myself to that prophet and say, yes, you are a prophet of God because it was so true. <laughs> but, um, but lo and behold, um, February came March, March 18th. We went on our first date, and then March 29th, we officially became a couple. July 29th, I proposed to her, and then on February 27th, 2010, we were married. Amen. <laughs> See, we can't remember those dates. So <laughs> it can happen. It can happen. Let's just pray five years. I'll still remember. But, <laughs> but um, I still remember those dates right now. <laughs> but to God be the glory. It was, and it was an experience. That was an experience. Um, because we, we didn't know how we were going to get married. We didn't know how we were going to afford it. And, um, and we just had to be in a place where we just really had to trust God. And it was, and it was an experience because, because I, 
It's not like I never trusted God before. It's not like I never had faith for anything before. But this was just so grandiose, so beyond my comprehension, so beyond me, anything I've, I've had to trust. I'm, t- I'm talking thousands of dollars I had to trust God for. It. I've never had to trust God for thousands of dollars. So, I mean, and just not even knowing where it's going to come from, having no clue. But I just had to trust God that we were going to get married. And it was just going to work out and, you know, work out with the family, work out with the finances, work out with each other. And it worked out. We were able to get married. So, you know, I got to a point where I said, okay, I'm married now. Now I can rest. Okay, now we can just learn to enjoy each other, learn to enjoy life. And and it's going to be good. That's exactly what happened a month later. (laughs) Oh... I had found out that there was a budget crisis at my job and my salary was cut in half as a result. So here it is, a month later, we're thinking we're going to be able to do this, that, and the other. I found out, no, I'm not going to be able to do as much as I thought I was going to be able to do. And then maybe, then about like two weeks later, we found out we had a little present. <laughs> a little, a little, a little gift, a little joy, a bundle of joy. That was to come, our baby T. <laughs> That's our name for right now, baby T. <laughs> so baby T was a surprise for us. And it was a surprise because for both of us, I didn't think, we didn't think anything was going to happen. We, we wasn't even planning for anything to happen. We were like, we'll wait a year and we'll be all right. And it's probably going to take that long anyway, if not longer. You know, we, we, it wasn't in our plan. It just... <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> Debbie got her getting sick, and we said, uh-oh, something's wrong here. <laughs> oh, there's, nope, there's a surprise. And so we were surprised. And so we realized right there already another shift was about to take place. And, um, and it was a shift, number one, just going from being married to um, now we're preparing to be parents. Um, but then there was a, a, a shift in terms of where we had to go because we went into this one-bedroom apartment that was just too small for us, let alone we're going to have an addition. <laughs> so we said, okay, God, we have to move. And we had talked prior to get, getting married about moving um, moving to Jersey, whether we wanted to move to Jersey, we wanted to move to New York. And I was, I was at that point, I was really undec- indecisive because I was looking at okay, there's pros to moving to New Jersey and this cons, and the same way, I said, in, in New York, I have my family, the family's there, I got free babysitting if I want to, <laughs> I got free babysitting in New York, so if I want to have babysitting, there it is, you know, um, but, you know, moving to New Jersey is just a nicer place, it's a great place to raise children, and and the church is here, so, I, you know, it's like back and forth, I, I was decided, and it got to a place when Debbie just came to me and said, you know, I really feel called of God to Jersey. I thank God for my pastor because my pastor taught me one thing. He said, if your wife hears something and says something, listen. Because nine out of ten times she's right. Because <laughs> they catch it before we do. And it's true. She, she, was, she, was a, she already knew, knew about me before I knew about me. So it's like, <laughs> it's, just, it's just how it happens. <laughs> so she started hearing this. So I said, okay, this is something to pay attention to. But I wasn't sold. I wasn't sold just yet. But it wasn't until I went to a, a, a prayer meeting in Brooklyn. 
And we had this service. I was just praying for the needs of the people, for those who are suffering, for those who are poor, for those who are outcast. That was the focus of the prayer. Um, but they had a time where they just asked people, you know, if you feel called to God to something, but you're just not sure if that's it, then stand. And I said, oh, yep, that's me. <laughs> you got me today. Okay, I'm here. And then after a while, they said, you know, if you just want God to fill you and speak to you, just come up to the altar. And so I just went up to the altar, and I, you know, and I just got on my knees, and I began to pray. And as I began to pray, the Spirit of God just began to move. And I just began to feel his presence in ways that I, I have not felt in years. It was just a heavy and awesome. I was, I was speaking in tongues. I was, began to cry. I began to feel the presence like a, really the Shekinah glory began to really fall. I could feel like the, the, the cloud of glory just surrounding all around and about me. And I just began to pray. And, as I, and then I just, just started praying. And next thing you know, I, I start praying for the gathering church. And I'm praying for the pastors, and, I, and I'm praying for the members. And then God has been going from praying for the members to praying for the county. So I start praying for the people in the region. And, I, and I'm praying, and as I'm praying, I begin to cry and cry and feel a burden. Like never before. And I've been here for years. And, I've, you know, I never had problems being here. I, I love being at the gathering church. But now I'm feeling like never before a burden. For the gathering church, I'm crying. I feel people who are depressed. I feel their depression. I feel their hurts. I, I feel their pains. I, I hear their cries. As I, I'm crying with them. And I'm crying and praying. And, and, and finally, it hit me. I'm called to Bergen County. I'm called to Hackensack. I'm called here. And I'm not just here because I'm just here. It's that God has an assignment for me. And I, and I was just, I was amazed at first. I, I didn't know what to do at first. I was like, um, I don't know what to say, what to say, what to do. And the Lord, after a while, began saying to me, you better tell your wife. You better tell your wife. I said, before I, t- I was about to tell Pastor, but I said, no, tell your wife first. Tell your wife. <laughs> I said, okay. And I called my wife, and I began to speak to, to my wife, and I just began to share what, she was, what, she, what God began to share. She's like, yes, that's it, yes. And then, you know, I'm feeling the presence of God again. Now I'm at work and I'm feeling the presence of God. I said, thank God I have an office. I can shut the door. I can cut everybody out. Because I, it was really, again, that same presence, that heavy, that heavy the, the cloud of glory began to fall. And I'm like, whoo, okay, this is new. And I call Pastor. I'm like, okay, Pastor, this is new. God is doing, there's a shift taking place. I'm experiencing God in a way that I've never experienced before. And then we at that point, we decided we're just going to go. We're going to find a place. And God miraculously provided a place. Even when, we thought, even when somebody was trying to take it from us, because there was a delay in the place because somebody was trying to take it from us. But God raised, God raised the man who we applied with to say, no, it belongs to them. And he's not, I don't know if he's a believer or not, but he said, you are the right ones for this place. I don't know why, but I just, you're it. <laughs> You're it, and you're here, and we're here. We're here, and, and, and then we're here because I, we had this experience. I had this experience with God. Now, many of us can talk about God. Many of us hear about God. Uh, many of us may even read about God. I might you hear stories and, and testimonies and about God. We sing about him. 
you just turn on 109 and you hear about him, hear all the gospel songs. You play at the gospel stations a lot. But it's another thing when you experience God. It's just another thing when you are in the moment where God just meets you right where you're at. In the midst of a trial, in the midst of a, a, a circumstance, in the midst of unclarity, or in the midst of hurt, in the midst of pain, it's nothing like when you're in those things that God meets you. And all of a sudden, God, God being a redeemer is, is, is not so foreign to you anymore. God's grace becomes a reality. It just doesn't become something that you can just say and do just say anymore as it's just words or it's just a thought or it's just something you know that you've seen in Bible study for so many years. But it becomes real. God told me before, when I was getting ready to get married, God told me, he said, I am your redeemer. Because it was at that point in my life that I thought I was just hopeless. When it came to getting married, I, I, I thought I was just going to be where I was no matter what. Nothing was going to change. I, I felt like that. But God said, I am your redeemer. And throughout the whole process of me getting married and even getting to the point of New Jersey, he has shown himself to be a redeemer. He has shown himself to be the way maker. He has chosen him to be a provider and to whatever he says he would do. He will do. And that's what we, and that's we, this is what I want to talk about today, a shift in our experience. Not only do we shift in our mind, not only do we shift in our service, not only do we shift in our faith and believing God, but we have to shift in our experience with God. It is time to experience God in a known way. It is no longer acceptable to stay in the status quo. But the only way you're going to move beyond the status quo is if you experience God. In a new and mighty way. So my topic for you is a shift in your experience, the I am revelation. Turn to me to, Mos- to um, Exodus chapter 3, and we're going to talk about Moses. Now we know the story of Moses is very familiar, familiar familiar man. He's, uh, Moses, his name means drawn out because he was actually drawn out of the river. And um, Moses' story was that he was raised by Egyptians because at that time they were trying to kill off all the male Jews. But his mother was able to hide him in, in the river. And an Egyptian woman found him and was able to raise him. So he was raised as an Egyptian, raised in the, in the, in the royal household of the Egyptians with the Pharaoh's household. Um, and he was raised, but he knew about his people. He knew about God. Um, he knew about the Hebrews. He knew about their plight. He knew that he was a Hebrew. So God, so he was able to find out about God. He was able to find out about his heritage. And he always had something in him that always knew that he was called to called to do something about it. There was always that burden. He he never Hebrew says that he never wanted to associate himself as just being an Egyptian, because he always knew that, that there was something about him that he was supposed to do for his people. And he even tried, fortunately he tried on his own strike, but he tried to do something because that burden was just so real. And so he tried to, he tried to, um, he tried to bring justice and try to stop a slave master from hurting the Hebrews. They ended up killing them, and, 
but it ended up turning against him at the end. So he ended up having to flee, and he's in the wilderness. He meets one of the priests in the wilderness, a Midian Jethro, and he stays and he's there for 40 years. And then after 40 years, he finally has an experience with God like he never had before. So we start here at Exodus chapter 3, verse 1 through 6. And it says there, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. So God was able to catch his Cast his attention. He sees a bush on fire, which is probably nothing, something that's not too strange. But then he sees that the, that the bush is not burning. Now, that's strange. So he, God is able to catch our attention. Amen. He knows ways how to catch our attention. And he says, then Moses said, I will now turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned, the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. He said, here I am. Then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. You know what was interesting? You had in the beginning of this scripture that he talks about Mount Horeb, and they called it the mountain of God. But the, the Mount Horeb was not called the mountain of God until this moment. It was called mountain of God after Moses met with God. Before, the Mount Horeb just means desert. It means a desert place. It means a wasteland. But, it be, but God's presence literally turned that place into a holy place. It was his presence that turned it and made it holy. And he was able to say, take your, feet off, take your sandals off your feet. Take off the things of this world. Take off what you know because you're about to enter into a holy ground. You're about to enter a new place. You're about to enter into something new. So take your sandals off because that's old. And so that's what represents. So he's going into the holy place. And he's stepping into holy, and he's stepping into the holy presence of God. And he says to, says to him, moreover, he said that I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. God begins to reveal himself because he's hearing, he's hearing somebody said. Say Moses, Moses, he doesn't know who that is. He just says, here I am, because somebody's calling his name. Hopefully it's somebody who knows him. And so he hears God, and he says, take your feet off, because this is, take the sandals off your feet, because this is holy ground. And he, God introduces himself. He says, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, that God that you've been hearing about for so many years, that you've learned about, that you've been thinking about, that even the priest and many has been telling you about, I am he. I am he. And so now he hides his face because he realized, oh, wait, this is that God. Oh, this, this is nothing. This is something like never before. I got to hide my face from you. That, ex- that, that experience already began to change him. Now God, does, now God is not this God that is so far away, but this God is a God that is right there. And that's been my testimony. When I, when I came to, before Christ, coming to Christ, I always thought that God created the world and then just left it. That's what I did. I said, this world is a mess. <laughs> I'm a mess. This world is a mess. <laughs> he must have just created and then bounced. 
you know, I, I, I really believe that some remember that some from a distance. I said he was distance. <laughs> I said yes he was from a distance because he I don't know what's going on here. But here it is with Moses. God is no longer just a thought. God is no longer just a person of history. God is a reality. And God calls us to experience him to, as a reality, but even a newer reality before. For Moses, it was just not being a thought or just not being the God of, of the father of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, or even his father. Now God is right there. God is right there with him. That's what happened with Jacob. When you hear the story of Jacob and he becomes Israel and he goes through wrestling with God. Why? Because he, before, beforehand, you look at the scripture, it always says, he says, You're, oh yeah, the God of my father. He never said he was his God. He said the God of my father, of Isaac and Abraham. Yes, you, you're that God. But it wasn't until after he wrestled with God that you see him say he's my God. He becomes real. He becomes personal. And he begins to experience God. And the first thing that he experiences in his revelation of God, the first revelation he experiences is that he experiences that God is the one who hears your prayers and he answers them. The first revelation that I believe he experiences is God hears your prayers and answers. That's why I thank God for Pastor. I forgot that one shift that we talked about is prayer. The shift in prayer that we talked about before. And here it, here it is in Exodus chapter 3, starting from verse 7, going on to 10. It says, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. And I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrows. I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire. This is the bush. So he looked at me. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I'm running the wrong thing. That's what I get. <laughs> Too many pages. The Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now, therefore, behold, the choir of the children of Israel has come to me, and I've also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Actually, if you look at Exodus chapter 2, near the verse, near the end of chapter 2, it basically says that, that um, the people of Israel began to cry out, and cry out because of their oppressors. And it says that God heard and and God remembered and God felt the oppression and he, and he remembered his covenant with them and so he responds. And that is the first revelation. This God that is um, not just a person that he heard about or that, that you know, he knew about from his fathers. Not only now, not only is he a God that is just right there, but he's a God that has, hears. He's a God who has heard every time. He is a God who heard their oppression, who heard the prayers, who heard their cries, who heard, saw their tears, and he has seen the oppression. He wasn't blind to what was taking place. He was there in the moment, and he heard them. He was with them. And that's the first revelation that God gives to Moses, and that's what I want to encourage us. 
in the midst of your tears, in the midst of your prayers, in the midst of your cries, even when it's, you know, you know, Israel was not in slavery for like five or ten years. They were in slavery for hundreds of years. And you know it took some time because they were a great and big nation. After they had, by the end of Genesis, you see them as, as a group of like, I, I don't know the exact number, but you'll probably be something around 60 to 70, but by the time you get into Genesis, they're in the millions. You know some time had passed. But they were slaves in that land, and they went through the process of having their children and crew, and they went through being, going under hard taskmasters, and, and God, and, and, you know, going through that, I, wanna, I don't know about you, Pastor, let, let, me, let me just say, I think the first year of marriage is like um, um, the tale of two cities. It is the best of times, it is the worst of times. <laughs> Is the year of gladness and the year of sorrow. <laughs> it's the year of plentiful and the year of scar- scar- it's year of nothingness. It is a year. I don't know what it and, it, and and I thought it was just me, and then I started looking at other couples. I, I, I saw one couple who like got married, like I think it was a month. And it was it was Grisette and Julius Lopez. They got, they didn't want mine. They didn't want mine. I said, they got, they got, um, they got married a month later and they came out and, um, like a month after they got married, the husband was sick and in the hospital. I said, what? I said, Jesus. A month, I look, I started looking at another couple, uh, and a, a month later, they're, they're scrambling to find a place to move. They had to move and they had to go through all those. I, I mean, and it was just, it was, for, for me, it was just, I mean, we. I mean, I love. Don't get me wrong. I love my wife. She is wonderful. She is awesome. All that and a bag of chips and, and a coke, diet coke too. Let me tell you. <laughs> but there were some times when it would be hard, and there were some times when it was just a test. There were some times when it just. I just felt like I was alone. She was there, but I felt like I was alone. And I and I just didn't know if anyone else would go through it. I thank God. I'm gonna take a shout out to the brothers. I thank God every time I get with the brothers, they would let me know, "You're not alone, brother. You're right. It's all good. Thank you. You are not alone. So thank you, brothers. Because if I was sort of brothers, I thought I'd be like, oh no. <laughs> but I thank God I was not alone. But during those, it was just hard. And you would think you alone. I, so I could imagine Israel in their pain, in their heartache, even Moses being 40 years in the wilderness and thinking, I'm alone. Thinking, is God really there? Thinking, you know, I've been praying and I've been fasting and, and, I've, and I've been crying. You know, you know, we think about the building and we say, Lord, we prayed about this building. We cried about this. We fasted about this building, but the building still ain't here yet. It is still not here. God, where are you? God, what are you doing? God, do you not hear us? But he is. He's the I am. He is the one who hears. He is the one who answers. He is the one who was there the whole time. You might just because, you know what I love about the book of Esther? Have you ever read the book of Esther? You know what's great about the book of Esther? God is never mentioned. Never once do you see the word God 
Lord. Everywhere else in the Bible, you're going to find Lord, God. You're going to find something. But he's never there. But that is the most powerful book. That is one of the most powerful, powerful books in the Bible, even though God is never mentioned. Because although it seems like he's not there, the truth of the matter is he was there the whole time. And just because you may feel like in the midst of what God is calling you to, or in the midst of you going through your life, that you feel like God is not answering, you feel like God is not there, you feel, no, he's, he, I'm here to let you know that he hears. He hears your prayers. He feels your oppression. He sees their tears as you go through and you feel like you're not going to make it. He wants to let you know, I hear and I will answer. I will answer. Moses represented the answer. The answer to the prayers. The answer to the cries. You know what's interesting? What, one of the things I studied in one of the courses I took was biblical theology. And, and j- just to break that down because it makes it sound big, but it's not really all that big. All biblical theology is is just looking at scripture as a whole book, as a whole story, not just Exodus, not just Leviticus, not just um, John, but the whole story. What is the scripture saying in the whole story? So, natu- so, so the book that we got, would normally what you would do in biblical theology is start from Genesis and work your way up to Revelations. But this guy, first of all, decided to start with Christ because Christ is the focal point of the scripture. But then right after Christ, he goes into Exodus. Instead of going back into Revelation, back into Genesis, he goes into Exodus. Why? Because the main story of Israel was that God redeems. The main story of scripture was that God redeems. And God was going to show through Moses and show through Israel that God never forgets. God never stays silent. God will always do what he said he will do. So he hears. He answers our prayer. And that's what Moses, Moses was the answer. So you got to be careful when you pray. Because you might be the answer. You might be praying, Lord, Lord, change this city. Lord, change this nation. Lord, change this country. And, God's, and God is right there saying, I'm ready to change you. Because when I change you, then the nation's going to change. When I change you, then the country's going to change. When I change you, then the children and then the adults, then the down cows and the, and the, and the outcasts, they're going to change when you change. When you experience me and you experience me as the I am who hears and answers prayer. The second revelation that Moses received was that I am with you. I am with you. Exodus chapter 3, verses 11 to 12. But Moses said to God, and this is after he was saying that, that he was calling him to bring the people out of Egypt out of Egypt and out of the hands of Pharaoh, he says, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So what does God say in response? So he said, I will certainly be with you. And this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Second revelation is, I am with you. And I can identify with Moses because, because you know, I grew up, I grew, like, like, like you guys are familiar with my story, I grew up in a child and welfare. I grew up with a learning disability. I grew up, you know, in the, in the Bronx. 
where you just don't always expect much in the Bronx. You know what I'm saying? And so I grew up not knowing what I was going to do or what I was going to be. I had this idea, that idea. But in all reality, I wasn't sure I could be much of anything. But here it is. I, I, I come to Christ. I give my life to Christ. And God gives me the call. I experience God back, back then. And God says, I have called you. I have called you by name. You're mine. You are called to be a pastor. And, you know, and I'm like, Moses, are you, kid- are you serious? <laughs> really? Okay, yeah, what- whatever. Okay, you- really, 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 really? I don't think so. I mean, is- are you talking about somebody else? Is there somebody else? You know, the pastor jokes about it. He thought I was going to be the pastor, but I said I knew he was. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, I knew he was going to be the pastor. Because as far as I'm concerned, I wasn't quite ready yet. Exactly. Stop lying. <laughs> but here it is. I, I heard God call, but I said, Lord, I, I can't do it. And this is Moses. I, I can't do that. You're gonna, first of all, I just got kicked out not too long ago, even though it was like 40 years. I got kicked out. <laughs> I kicked out for trying to do something. Now you want me to go all the way back? What if they remember what I did? What, what, you know, what, 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 what are they going to do? As a matter of fact, you read later on in chapter 3 and chapter 4, he's like, okay, what about this? And, and well, well, what about that? And, and well, well, what is the sign? Are they going to believe me? I don't know. Um, you know, what other sign? What, what did they say when they see this? I don't know. I'm, I'm scared. I, I, just, I just don't know. I mean, come on. Come on. God's response is, I am with you. I am with you. And I think that's the revelation that I think is sometimes just hard for us to, to, to just hold and to, to realize and hold on to. It's not about you. If you could do it on your own, he wouldn't have called you. He would have just let you do it. But he calls you. He has an experience with you because he knows you can't do it on your own. He uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Why? Because he wants to get glory out of this. You think he don't know what you, what you have and what you don't have? It's not a surprise to him. But you know what? With him, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. With him, nothing is impossible. With him, when he is with you, and that's the thing we need to get into our mind, when he is with us. This is why you need your shift in the experience. Because you need to be able to experience God. You need to be able to go before God, lay your life before him, cry out and experience him. Because it's when you experience him that he empowers you, that he he loves. Let me tell you, I'm in this place and I'm seeing the praises go up and we're talking about out of your belly. And I felt like, shoot, I'm I'm ready to preach now. Come on. I hope there's not too many announcements because I got to go. I got to preach. Why? Because God is here. And God is with us. God is in the midst. And that makes all the difference. All the difference. No, you might not, you, you, you could feel like you can't do it on own. And even when I came in this morning, I was like, God, you know, I don't, I don't know, Pastor go, I'm sure Pastor go, the pastors go through this somewhat. But I'm sitting there, and I'm like, Jesus, I'm nervous. I'm like feeling it right there in the midst of trying to worship, but at the same time for the Lord. I got to be in front of these people. And it's not like I don't know you guys. And I don't love you guys. I don't think you guys are going to throw stones at me. It's not that. But, 
but it's I gotta speak for you. I gotta represent you. I gotta say your words. So I can't do this by myself. God, I need you. You need to do it. You need to speak. You need to move. God, are you with me? And he says, I am with you. And that will make the difference wherever you go. That will make the difference in your job. That will make the difference in your neighborhood. That will make the difference with your friends, even with your family members. The fact that he is with you. He is with you. I am with you. We, we need to get to a place when we're less dependent on ourselves and more dependent on him. Because that, that, that's what Moses was trying to figure out. How can I do this? Because it's just not in me to do it. I tried it before and I failed. But the difference now is I am with you. And then he gives him a sign. He says, you're going to come back to this mountain. And this will be the mountain where you will worship. You know, and as I read that, I started thinking about the gathering church and even what Pastor talked about earlier on. And I said, you know, we just stepped out in faith. We just stepped out and believed God. We believed that God was with us. And even though there was trouble, even though the enemy was trying to start, God was with us. Can I get an amen on that one? And I believe that we're going to go to our mountain. And I believe that God, as we continue to step out, and as we, this was just even the first step, we're going to go back and we're going to see our place. And we're going to remember what God has done when he said, I am with you. So, so that, that building, that's not a problem. God is more than able. Because it's even more than about a building. It's, it's about us doing the work of the kingdom of God. And as we do the work of the kingdom of God, he will, come on, there's always provision for the vision. Always provision for the vision. That's what he, he was providing. He said, you're going to have a mountain to worship. And you're going to remember, and when you come back to this morning, you're going to remember what I told you because, because I am with you. I am with you. And the third revelation that I have is he says, I am the one who keeps my promises. I am the one who keeps my promises. Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 to 14 says this. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, What is his name? You know, this is his first encounter with God. So who do, who do, who do I say that he is? Who, who, who do I say that sent me here? What shall I say to them? And God says to Moses, I am who I am. I am who I am. And he said, thus shall you say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Now I began, you know, I've I've seen this scripture so many times, I decided to take, uh, you know, take some time and just really look at, look at what does it mean by he says that I am who I am. I said, you know, it's it's kind of strange and some people can say, other people say different things about what he, what, what he is, but when he says that I am, the first thing that he says that he starts saying is that I'm the eternal one. That he is the eternal one. He is the everlasting, eternal, no beginning, no end. Before there was, he was. That's how that's how eternal he is. Before you can think of thought, before there was a thought, he was there. 
There was nothing before him. There will be nothing after him. He is it. He is eternal. But not only is he eternal, then he, but he's sovereign. I am is the sovereign one, the one who is in control, the one who is in charge, the one who has everything, everything, knows everything, nothing, ever present. He's the omnipresent help. He's the omnipresent God, the omnipotent God, the omniscient God, all-knowing, all-powerful, ever-present God. So he's the I am. But then the I, he says I, he's the I am who I am. What is he doing there? What he's doing there, he's bringing Israel, Moses and Israel back into remembrance. Back into remembrance that he was the one who promised to Abraham that he was going to bless him and make him a great nation and did the same thing to Isaac. and did, that's, what, that's why you always see him says, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. What is he saying? He said, I'm the one who promised from back then with Abraham. I'm the one who gave the promise again with Isaac. And I'm the one who gave the promise again with Jacob that will bless you and make you a great nation. So I am that one. So I am the one who brought, you, who brought Noah out of, out of the judgment when, there were, when the rivers and the floods came. I am the one who raised, Enoch, who raised Enoch so that he would not ever experience death. I am the one who has, brought, who has brought you and kept this nation and made this nation great. And I am the one who's going who's gonna to deliver you out of the hands of Pharaoh, out of Egypt, and into the promise for which I have promised you long ago. I am the one who remembered that promise. I am the one who's going to do it. Now, in an interesting note, when you look at Abraham, and this is why, it's always, this is why God always, always wanted to remind of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Because when you look at Abraham, and, and he begins to promise Abraham, they start doing a covenant, covenant ceremony. And in that ceremony, the usual covenant ceremony would take, would take place. It would take place where they would kill, kill an animal, and then they would place the bodies of the animal around, uh, around the circle, and then they would walk around the circle. And then when, as they would walk around the circle, what they would symbolize was whatever, what happened to this animal needs to happen. If we break our covenant, let it happen to us. But there was a shift in this covenant, in this experience that even Abraham had. What ends up happening to Abraham, Abraham falls asleep. And as Abraham falls asleep, what God does is he goes over the sacrifice. And you hear the sacrifice being consumed, the fire. We're saying that he goes over the sacrifice. And you know what that represented? That represented that he was the one who was going to fulfill it. It had nothing to do with Abraham. He was letting Abraham know, I'm going to do it. This is my promise. This is what I'm going to do. You're going to see, you can't do it on your own. And you know the story of Abraham, how many times he messed up. And even Isaac, and even Jacob. And on and on and on. Throughout the old scripture, it's filled with people who just mess up. And you would think, oh, how is Jesus going to come in the midst of this mess? Is Jesus ever going to make it? (laughs) I mean, Israel doesn't even have a kingdom anymore. How is Jesus going to make it? But he's the I am who I am. If I said it and I would do it, then I will do it. If I made the promise, then I will fulfill it. If, if it's, it's on me, it's not on you. It's on me. I am sent you. 
I am who I am. I have not, so not only is he the God who he's telling Israel, not only Moses, he's telling Israel, listen, I'm not only the God who heard your prayers, and I'm not only the God who is with you, but I am who I am. I am the one who will fulfill my promises. And I think sometimes that's even harder to, to remember. Because as we, as we go through and I, you know, I, and I started coming into New Jersey and I said, God, you know, New Jersey, New Jersey rent ain't New York rent. Well, I should say New Jersey rent ain't even the rent that I had in a one little bedroom apartment here. Now I'm in a two bedroom apartment. That, that, that's rent. And my salary's cut in half, Jesus. Um, Jesus, yeah, you know, <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> you know, sometimes I feel like I say, Puerto Rico, what are you doing, Puerto Rico? Puerto Rico, what are you doing? <laughs> My Puerto Rican self. <laughs> God, what are you doing? But he said that I am who I am. If I said it, can't, when I not do it? All I, could, all I could hold on, and there would be times when it, it would just be like, Lord, what's going to happen? We don't know how we're going to make it. Even today, sometimes I'm like, Jesus, this is rough. Why you got to be This is rough. This is rough. We're like counting pennies. We're not even counting dollars. We're counting pennies now. He's <laughs> God for the pennies. But we're counting. I'm just like, oh, Jesus, I don't know what... God, what are you doing, God? Help me out here. That's a dollar. Can you help me with a dollar, Jesus? Can you help me with a dollar? <laughs> but all I can re- all I can go back to is He said. That's all I can always go back to. I said, Well, you you, you said it. I'm, I you know. I said, I did, I did not eat no bad meatloaf, okay? <laughs> I, I experienced God. <laughs> it wasn't bad. It wasn't gas. It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't, I ate late Latin style and I had this weird drink. None of that stuff. This was an encounter. God, you met me. God, I remember. I don't, I remember. You met me in Brooklyn, Tabernacle. You met me right there in the midst of that service. And you said, I am sending you here. This is what you said. So even though I see craziness, even though I see, uh, even though I see things not working the way it should be working, even though sometimes even I mess up and I'm like, oh, God, what am I doing here? But God, you said. You said. You brought me here. You brought me a promise. There is a purpose. There is a promise here. Lord, I'm just going to go. Lord, I'm just going to do. Lord. I, it don't make sense to me, but here I am. Here I am, and I know you're the I am. I am here, and you are, you're, you are here with me. You are the I am who I am. You got to do it. I do what I got to do, Lord God. I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to obey you. I'm going to experience you. But God, I got to trust you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to just go ahead, and I'm just going to see you do it. And, you know, it might not be easy, but I ain't starving. Come on. Come on. I, I, I'm clothed. Come on. I'm in my right mind. I hope I have. A, I have a, come on. 
I'm still here. The rent will be paid. The provision is there. Even so I thank I thank God. He's the I am who I am. No matter somebody said, no matter what my eyes may see, no matter what my ears may hear. He is the great I am. He's still the redeemer. He's still the way maker. He's still the provider. And he's the one who keeps his promise. He said to me that to come here and that he will provide, and he's doing it. He's doing it. I don't know what job is coming in my way, but he's doing it. God is more than able. And I want to encourage us as the gathering. God has spoken promises to the gathering church. God has spoken promises to your life. He is the I am who I am. He is the one who keeps the promise. So stand. Experience God. Experience him. Experience the one who hears and answers your prayers. Experience the one who is with you. Experience the one who keeps his promises. Who will do it. Because I can guarantee you, I can guarantee you, he will not only do it, but he will do above and beyond, as scripture says, what we could even ask or think, according to his power that is at work within us. He's more than able to experience Christ today. God bless you. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give God praise for that word. Do you receive it? Amen, amen. Let's bow heads. You can't hear a word like that and not respond to it. God gave us a rim of word this morning, a word that came directly from his throne, a prophetic word that will speak to where we are and where he wants to take us. Father in heaven, we come before you. In the name of Jesus. And God, we want to shift in our experience with you, Lord. We want to have that I am revelation today, Father. That we will understand that you are God that hears us, God. Who we call. You're a God that's present. You're Jehovah Shammah. You are present. That ever-present help in the time of trouble. The God that goes with us. Oh, God. Oh, God. You go with us every step of the way. And you are the God that keeps your promise. For your promises are yea and are amen. And so, Father, we thank you, Lord God, today that you care for us that much, Lord God. You care for us so much, God, that we don't even realize the care, the love, the compassion that you have for us to live the life, oh God, that you have given us, Lord. Hallelujah. If you stand in need of the I am revelation today, just stand up. We're going to pray corporately. Amen. That word was for you today. Just stand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm standing with you. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Just raise your hands to us, God, even now. Father, we thank you for the anointing, Lord. As, the, as your manservant was preaching, I felt the release of your anointing, Lord God, your tangible, your concentrated presence, Lord God, the Shekinah glory, the weight of the glory, the density of, 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 of who you are. I felt you in this place, Lord God, shifting us even while the word was being proclaimed, God. Now, Father, complete the work even now in the name of Jesus, Lord God, in your people, Lord God, as you are shifting us, as you are transitioning us, as you are even now equipping us with what, oh God, we need for this next season, Lord God. Do it, oh God, in us today, Lord God. Oh God, we cry like Moses saying, Lord, we have nothing. Who are we? We feel insignificant. We have nothing. We're nothing, God. But yet you have chosen us. Oh, God, without idiosyncrasies, without insecurities, Lord God, without issues, our hang-ups, God. Oh, God, without missteps, God, you still chose us. You still have your finger pointing and saying, I still choose you to do the work of my kingdom. Father God, even when we, even when we have disqualified ourselves, or we have allowed the world to disqualify us and say, you're not worthy of that. But yet you still say, I choose you. Ah, you chose us, God. You have your hand, your mark of approval, your seal upon us. Because you love us with an everlasting love. So, Father, give us a revelation of who you are today. The I am revelation that you are God that hears. A God that goes and the God that keeps his promises, God. Father, help us to trust you. Oh, God, remove that shell, that, that, that mindset, that, that false paradigm in our hearts, in our minds that will cause us to box you in. Father God, but remove the box, Re remove, oh God, the shell, remove, oh God, the bondage on our minds, the strongholds that would try, oh God, to stop us from trusting you in a greater way today. Help us to shift in our experience, God, with you. When we wake up in the morning, oh God, as we go throughout our day at work, God, help us to not put you to the side, but help us to shift, oh God, help us to realize you want to be a part of our life. Every intricate part, everything that we do, you want to be a part of it. That's why you challenge us to have the mind of Christ. And everything we do, not just for church stuff. Oh, God, if that's the point, we miss the point. It's to live a life, an abundant life, abundant work life, abundant married life, abundant, oh, God, financial life, abundant health life, to have abundant life in every aspect of life. For as marriage people, married people, abundant love life. Come on. In the name of Jesus. Oh, God, that's what you have for us, abundant life. Oh, God. Every aspect of life you want us to have abundantly. But that comes when we shift in our experience. So shift us today as your servant has spoken. Holy Spirit, we need you. You're the shifter. We can't shift by ourselves. But you can shift through me, Jesus. So Holy Spirit, shift through us. 
Shift us, Lord God, every aspect, Lord God, that we can walk into this new place with you, have a greater understanding, have a greater knowledge, a greater encounter, a greater experience, oh God, for who you are. And Father, we won't fail to give you the glory, the honor, and the praise, Lord, for all that you've done and all that which you would do. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Let's give God praise for Pastor Edgar. Amen. For that word. Thank you for sharing, Pastor Edgar. We are truly encouraged, amen, by that word. Amen. It was a, a right now a rhema word. Amen. So we praise God for that. Amen. We're going to prepare to give our um, tithes and offerings. We'll be leaving. Amen. Let's just get those together. Just a brief announcement. Amen. Again, we thank God for what he done on yesterday. Amen. It doesn't stop there. Amen. We keep on going to the next level. We'll be um, preparing um, for the next upcoming events we have here at the Gathering Church. We have a leadership conference um, that I will give you more information about next Sunday um, at Bethel Gospel Assembly. Um, please mark your calendars. It's on the 25th, Saturday the 25th, and Sunday the 26th. Amen. And Bethel Gospel Assembly is their first Bethel Global Gospel Assembly Leadership Conference. Amen. And so um, I have more information I'll be giving you this week. So I'm asking all of my service team members, especially my service team leaders, amen, there's something from hospitality, from audiovisual, amen. I need all of you to be a part of that because I need all of us to get the training together. Amen. We're talking about we're shifting, and we're going to shift in our church experience. Amen. Even my executive board. Amen. There, there, there's, a, there, there's a portion for that as well. The worship team, you have something on that Sunday. So every ministry of the church will be fed and poured into. Amen. And guess what? It's free of charge. Amen. I don't have to fly. I don't have to go down south. I have to go to Texas. Amen. I don't have to go to Saddleback. Amen. I don't, ha I don't have to go see Joel Alstein. Amen. I don't have to go to Texas to see Bishop Jakes. Amen. I can just go to Harlem. And it's been brought to us. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So we thank God um, for that. And I'll give you more information and registration forms next week. And again, like I said, it is free of charge. Um, also, on October the 9th is our baptism service. Amen. Our, our, our baptism service for this year. So if you are looking to be baptized, amen, to rebaptize, or this is your first time being baptized, amen. We want you to sign up for that. You can see our Pastor Edgar Torres, who shared the word today. He'll be gladly to give you more information and concerns to that. Amen? And I believe that's it. Amen? Let's prepare our hearts to give.